Well, good morning. Good to see all of you out here on this uh, nice, uh, crisp fall morning. Good to have you here. Uh, Today in our Transform campaign, we're going to talk about vocational health. I'm going to talk about how do you make your work work. Uh, Your ability to dream, to imagine, uh, is a God-given gift. Uh, The ability to dream is what makes you different from the animals. Animals cannot imagine the future. But God gave you, as a creature made in his image, God gave you the ability to remember the past, that's called memory, and God also gave you an ability to visualize the future, Uh, that's called imagination or dreaming. And nothing happens until somebody has a dream. Every piece of art, every business, every product, every house, every car, everything happens because somebody had a dream. Napoleon said, imagination rules the world. Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge. It is the ability to dream, to have vision, to visualize the future that makes us creatures in the image of God. We are most like our creator when we are being creative. And so your life dream, your life work, it's far more important than your job. Do not confuse the two. Jobs come and go. But your life work is the dream that God gives you for your life. Now, for every person who figures out what that is and goes for it, there are nine people who are afraid to do it. What causes us to be afraid to go after our life dream? Well, it's the giant dream busters that stand in your way, that stand in the path and say, you shall not pass, you shall go no further than this. And if you believe them, then you get stuck. Now, fortunately, we have a story in the Bible that shows us how to deal with the giants in our life. And not surprisingly, it's the story of David and Goliath. It's found in 1 chapter 17. And I just, uh, you know, spoiler alert, David kills Goliath. Just tell you that right up front. Now, this is a story. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Now in this story, David has to defeat four other giants before he gets to defeat Goliath. And they weren't physical giants, they were giants in his mind. Now, it's unlikely that you're going to face a physical giant like Goliath, but it's highly likely that you're going to face these other giants. You're going to face financial problems, marriage problems, work problems, relational problems, problems that keep you from fulfilling your dream. And the giants in your mind can be just as intimidating as the physical giants that you face. And so these are the other giants that David had to face. Now, in the chapter before this chapter, in chapter 16, Samuel the prophet came to Bethlehem, David's hometown, and he came actually to David's household, the household of Jesse, to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king of Israel. 
And so Jesse trots out his seven oldest sons, thinking Samuel will surely anoint one of them. And Samuel looks him over and starts with the oldest. No, he's not it, he's not it, he's not it, he's not it. None of them are the, are the king. And so Samuel says to Jesse, you got any others? Because none of these are him. And Jesse says, well, there's one left. It's David, he's the, the youngest, the runt of the litter. And we, we left him out in the pasture with the sheep while the rest of the boys are in here vying to be king so they bring David in Samuel looks at him and goes yep he's the Lord's anointed and so he blesses him prays over him and anoints him the next king of Israel and you know what happens next nothing nothing happens nothing changes for David in fact Jesse looks at David and says get back out there and take care of those sheep nothing changed at all In fact, there is really a long delay between when David is given the dream of being the king to when he actually sees the fulfillment of his dream years later. There is a big delay. And the first giant that you're going to face in your life is delay. Rarely is a dream fulfilled instantly. Rarely does God give you the dream one day and it's fulfilled the next. In fact, it may be years later that you see the fulfillment. You know, God gave me the dream of pastoring a purpose-driven church in 1993, and it took four years before I even had a hope of that dream being realized. In David's case, his dad holds him back from the dream. His dad tells him, get back out there and tend the sheep. Verses 12 and 15, it says, Jesse's three oldest sons had joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines, but, but David is held back by his father. In fact, David goes back and forth between the sheep and the battlefield back and forth. He's in limbo. How many of you hate limbo? Anybody hate limbo? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even ask how many of you like it because nobody likes limbo. So the first barrier to your dream is this. There are going to be people who hold you back from the dream that God has given you. You're going to face delay. And some of you have been held back from what you want to do with your life because of your age. You're too young or you're too old. You've been held back because of your race or because of your gender or because someone thought you weren't pretty enough or smart enough or whatever enough. And sometimes the people who hold you back the most are the ones who love you the most. In this case, it's David's father. David's anointed the king of Israel, and his dad says, go back out there and take care of those sheep. You know, God has a plan for your life, but so does everybody else. And when God's plan conflicts with somebody else's plan, people will try and hold you back. David's dad just wanted him to be the youngest boy to be the shepherd. So there's this delay. Now you're going to see delay in your life, and and sometimes it'll be the people who love you who will hold you back from the dream that God has given you. Jesse had his three oldest sons. They're out on the front line with Saul fighting the battle. And so he sends David out there with a care package with food for these, for these brothers. And when David's delivering food to his brothers, he hears Goliath shouting taunts and threats at the army of Israel. And David notices that nobody's doing anything about this guy. Everybody around here is scared to death. They're terrorized. That's the second barrier you're going to face in fulfilling your dreams. You will face discouragement discouragement because everybody around you is scared to death. Nobody believes the dream can be accomplished. Nobody believes they can take down the giant. And they're standing around in their fear, convincing one another that it's impossible to win. That was one of Goliath's strengths. 
But he was able to create such a climate of fear in Israel that, that everybody just gave up. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. They're demoralized. They're terrorized. They're hopeless. They're so frightened they couldn't do anything. You ever been in that kind of a situation where everybody around you is just so, so afraid? They're saying, oh, it just can't be done. It's hopeless. It's impossible. We're never going to be able to do this. And they convince each other out of their fear that nothing can be done about the problem. Let me give you a life tip. Okay? Conventional wisdom is often wrong. The majority is often wrong. Everybody there was wrong. And it says twice in this passage that Goliath challenged the ranks of the Israeli army. You know, sometimes the solution has to come from outside of the rank and file. You, you need a little kid just to step up and say, hey, we can do this. You need a fresh set of eyes because the professionals can be wrong. Somebody has to challenge the status quo. Why had everybody given up? Why had they gotten so discouraged from this one giant? Because they were listening to the wrong voice. Verse 16 says, For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Every day, 40 days, morning and night. No wonder they got discouraged. They're, they're listening to this guy day after day. And, you know, and we've just seen the power to listening to a voice for 40, 50 days. You know, the question is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Because if you're listening to somebody who says it can't be done, if you're listening to someone who says your dream will never happen, if you're listening to somebody who's telling you you can't do it, if you listen to negative people, you know what happens? You get negative. Because negativity is highly contagious. So is fear, and so is discouragement. And sometimes you just need a fresh voice to speak up and say, hey, you, you can do this. We can take this guy. Verse 23, as David was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away. You know, don't hang out with fearful people because you'll become fearful. If you hang out with cowards, you'll become a coward. If you hang out with bitter people, you'll become bitter. If you hang out with angry people, you'll become angry. If you hang out with negative people, you become negative because those things are highly contagious. And the first barrier to your dream is delay. Somebody's going to try and hold you back. The second barrier to your dream is discouragement. Everybody telling you it can't be done. But they're wrong. They're wrong third giant. It's the giant of disapproval. David had to face the disapproval of people around him in order to go after his dream. And you will too. The reason why most people never go after their dream is they're afraid of disapproval. They're afraid of rejection. Proverbs says the fear of man is a trap. In this case, David's own brother questions his motives. David's own brother disapproved of David going after the giant. He treats his younger brother with disdain. He belittles him. Look at the conversation here in verse 28. See if you can identify with this. 
You know, older brother, younger brother. How many of you have an older brother or sister? Older brother or sister? Yeah. See if you can see yourself in this. I'm the youngest of five. I get this. I get this. When David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taken care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question. Anybody relate to this? Yeah, it's called sibling rivalry. You know what happens when the older brother or sister comes into conflict with the younger brother or sister. The older sibling just can't imagine the younger one accomplishing something, anything. They think they know who you are better than you know who you are. And so they come out with this demeaning disapproval. Sadly, sometimes your own family doesn't want you to accomplish God's dream. It may be because of envy or jealousy or resentment or even embarrassment. Do you know even Jesus had to deal with this? I mean, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Mary and Joseph had no relations before Jesus was born. God was the father of Jesus. That's why we call it the virgin birth. But the Bible clearly tells us that after Jesus was born, that Mary and Joseph had other children. Uh, We're even given the names of some of the brothers. Uh, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas are mentioned in the Bible. The sisters are mentioned, but we're not given any of their names. In fact, when Jesus started his ministry, Mary and his brothers came to take him home because they thought he was crazy. And Mary and the siblings followed Jesus around during his ministry. But we don't have any record that any of the half-brothers and sisters accepted him as Lord, recognized him as who he was until after the resurrection. Because if you see your brother crucified on a cross and three days later he comes back to life and has a conversation with you, you believe. You believe. Okay? But even Jesus had to deal with this sibling rivalry. I mean, sometimes family dynamics can be so dysfunctional. And I remember when, when I wanted to plant a church, one of the, some of the hardest questions came from family. You know, who do you think you are? Why do you think you can do that? You think you can do that? And when God gives you a dream and you step out to go for it, you're going to be misjudged, misinterpreted, misunderstood. You're going to be maligned. And that's the giant of disapproval. And you have to decide what matters more to you, the approval of other people or the approval of God. And I decided a long time ago that God's approval is more important than the approval of men. Now, one other dream buster David had to face. It's the giant of doubt. Doubt. Am I capable of this? Am I up to the task? Can I actually do what God is calling me to do? Because people all around you will tell you you can't. In David's case, the expert doubted his ability. No greater expert on war and battle than King Saul. King Saul spent his entire life in battle. And King Saul hears that this little kid is willing to take on the giant who's paralyzed the nation. He invites David to come see him. Here's the conversation, verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Now confidence in God is often misinterpreted as cockiness by other people. People think a person is cocky when really they're just a person of faith. It's not that they think they can do it, it's just they believe God can do it. That's confidence in God, but it can be seen as being cocky. So David says, don't worry about this Philistine, I'll I'll fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. 
There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Now, when an expert is saying you can't do it, that can make you doubt yourself. But just like conventional wisdom can be wrong, experts are often wrong. You know, a church planting expert told Rick Warren not to go to California to plant a church. Said it won't work. Expert was wrong. The, the editor, when Rick wrote The Purpose Driven Life, the editor sent him a letter saying, this book will never work. Nobody's going to read 40 chapters for 40 days. The expert was wrong. You know, Rick's got the letter framed and hanging in the office. You know, when I st- said I wanted to plant a church, an experienced pastor told me I was a fool. Experts can be wrong. You know, how do you defeat the giants that are keeping you from being the man, the woman of God that God wants you to be? How do you become a person of great faith with a great dream and a great life's work? You've got to defeat the giants. How? You do the very things that David did to defeat these giants before he even gets to Goliath. How do you do it? Number one, I remember how God has helped me in the past. I remember, I recollect, I rehearse, I, 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 I recall what God has done for me in the past. I remember the time I thought I wouldn't make it, and God pulled me through. I remember the time I thought it was over, and God gave me a second chance. I remember the time I hit bottom and realized Jesus Christ is my rock. I remember what God has done for me in the past, and that helps me to realize that God will help me in the future. That's what David did, verse 36. He's talking about about slaying Goliath. He says, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David remembers how God helped him with the little things in the past, and it helped him to realize that God would help him now. Second thing, I use the tools that God has given me now. I don't wait for something I don't have. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough contacts. I don't have enough opportunities. I don't have this. I don't have that. Some people are waiting for something to come to them before they pursue their dream. Now, you can wait for your ship to come in, or you can swim out to meet it. But you've got to use the tools God has given you now. King Saul tells David, if you're going to fight this giant, you need to wear my armor. Uh, Saul is a big, tall, grown man. David is a short, small little boy. They take Saul's armor, they put it on David. David's hands don't even reach out of the sleeves in the armor. It's just comical. Verse 38, then Saul gave David his own armor. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. David says, I'm going to use what I got. I'm going to use what I have. I don't need your armor. And when you start pursuing the dream that God has given you, some people are going to oppose you on it. You'll face opposition. But some people are going to say, yeah, yeah, you need to do it. But you need to do it my way. And they'll try to convince you to do it their way, to use their methods, to use their stuff. But you're not them, you're you. We call that the Saul's armor syndrome. God's going to use you to fulfill the dream that he has for you. And God wants you to do it his way, 
not somebody else's way. Because if you try to do it the way somebody else did it, you're trying to wear Saul's armor, and it's just not going to fit. So you need to use the tools that you have to defeat the giants in your life. Third thing David did, you ignore the dream busters. It's interesting. As David steps out to take on the giant that has been terrorizing everybody, that everybody else is afraid of, he doesn't get any encouragement from anybody. And not one single word of encouragement. His dad didn't encourage him. His brothers didn't encourage him. The terrified soldiers didn't encourage him. The king whose kingdom is on the line didn't encourage him. I mean, nobody gave David any encouragement. He had to encourage himself in the Lord. And he had to do this often throughout his life. It's a life skill that you need to develop. 1 Samuel 30 says, When others were speaking against him, David encouraged himself in the Lord. You've got to learn how to do that. If you're going to go after your dream, you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord because nobody else is going to do it. And this is far deeper than just simply having a positive mental attitude. You know, when you, this isn't just positive thinking. When you encourage yourself in the Lord, there is a bedrock trust in God's grace, God's provision, God's power, God's presence. You know, trusting in God isn't just positive thinking. Now, I'm not against positive thinking, because the alternative is negative thinking, and negative thinking will get you nothing. But, but this is more than, than, than positive thinking. Because some giants in your life are so big, some problems are so significant, that the positive thinking isn't going to make any difference. You know, have a nice day or the sun will come out tomorrow just ain't going to cut it. You, you, you've got to have something far deeper than that. In the deepest, darkest days of life, you need a bedrock trust in God's grace, God's love, God's power, God's sovereignty. You, you've got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Otherwise, you'll give up. Number four, I expect God to help me for his glory. Circle the word expect. That's the faith factor. That's what David did. God, David expected God to help him. I, I love what David says to Goliath as, as he runs out onto the field. David replied, actually he shouted to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord, circled the Lord, will conquer you. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. See the expectation there? And, and it's not for David. It, it's an expectation for God's glory. You know, what are you expecting God to do in your life? I can tell you, without even knowing your situation, I can tell you exactly what God is doing in your, in your life. God is doing exactly what you expect Him to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Because every time God moves out of heaven and does something in a person's life, it's because somebody believed. Somebody believed. The Bible says, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible says, whatever is not of faith is sin. And so you get to choose how much God does in your life. It's based on how much you choose to trust Him. And David says, I expect God to move and to move for His glory. You know, this isn't about David. 
this isn't about Goliath. You know, this isn't about me. This isn't about you. This is about God's glory. You know, when David defeats Goliath, who's the real hero? God. When you defeat the giants in your life, who's the real hero? It's God. When you defeat the delays, the discouragement, the disapproval, the doubt, the world knows that there is a God who moves in the lives of people who trust in Him. That's what it's about. And the giants come into your life. The giants come into your life. First of all, they're a test. They're a test for you. God's saying, are you going to trust me enough to defeat these? Or is this all it's going to take to beat you? It's a test. And then the test becomes a testimony. When we move out in faith and expect God to act for His glory, it becomes a testimony that there is a God who moves in the lives of people and transforms them from what they are to what God wants them to be. Let's pray together. As we pray, I, I just want to pray for you. God, I thank you for this church. I thank for you for these people, for the, the, the progress that we have made through this Transform campaign, for the goals that we have set, for the dreams that you've planted into our hearts and lives. God, I would pray that you would help us to dream big dreams for you. And God, as we set those goals, as we dream those dreams, would you just, would you just help us? Just pray this prayer with me. God, you have helped me so many times in the past. You've helped me through things I thought I'd never get out of. And God, because you have helped me in the past, I know you will help me in the future. Help me to draw my confidence from that. And when people discourage me or disapprove of me or misunderstand me, God, help me to encourage myself in the Lord to spend time with you every day, time in your word, and to, to catch your dream, your vision for my life. And God, help me to use the tools that you've given me right now to not wait for a perfect time, perfect place, perfect tool, but just to use the sling and the stones that I have right now to just surrender them to you and for your use. And God, help me to expect you to help me, not for my glory, but for yours so that the whole world will know that there is a God, that there is a God who moves on behalf of those who believe in Him. Because God, it's for your glory. The battle is yours. The victory is yours. And we claim it today in Jesus' name. Amen.